On this episode of Biblical Genetics, we're going to talk about why early Israel was a hotbed of interracial dating. If you've been following Biblical Genetics, you would have noticed that a couple of episodes ago, I did one on the Jews, inbreeding, and false notions of race. After that, I raised the question, how long were the Israelites in Egypt? Which was, of course, based on an article that I published on creation.com. This particular episode of Biblical Genetics, I'm basing it on an article I wrote called Extensive Mixing Among Israelites and Non-Israelites in Biblical History. There are a couple of things we have to understand about the early Israelite population. They're not what most people expect. In fact, they didn't start off in Israel. No, they started off on the border between the modern country of Turkey and the modern country of Syria in a city called Haran. Now, Haran is right near a town, ancient town called Urfa. It's right within literally visual eyesight distance on a clear day of the ancient archaeological site called Gobekli Tepe, which is very interesting to me, considering that that is right there near one of the earliest and most important cities for early biblical history. We have the man Terah, who dies in Haran. Abraham leaves from Haran. Abraham sends his servant to find a wife for his son Isaac in Haran. Jacob flees to Haran, picks up two wives and two concubines while he's there. The genetic background of Israel comes from modern-day Turkey, or Turkey-Syria border. After that, we have to understand that Abraham had a son by an Egyptian woman named Hagar. Their son Ishmael also married an Egyptian woman. Abraham had other sons by a woman named Keturah, who he sent out east. Ishmael went east also. So already what we see is a blending, a bleeding, a diffusing of Israelite genes into the surrounding nations, which raises the question, what is Jewish DNA? And what should we expect from the biblical record? Isaac's son Esau married a daughter of Ishmael, plus a Hivite, plus a Hittite, and well, Isaac only had Rebekah as a wife, but Jacob had four wives, two of whom we know nothing about. When Rebekah was taken from Haran down south to marry Isaac, her maidservants came with her. Okay. But Abraham also had obtained men's servants and maidservants from Abimelech, the Philistine, and from Pharaoh. So more non-Israelite DNA is coming into the compound. Now, did those people marry the Israelites? Over time, yeah, because that's what people do, especially if there's a female servant born. She's fair game. But also the male servants who are you know, multi-generational servants in this, in this clan, they're going to grow up speaking Hebrew. The men are going to be circumcised. The daughters will be marrying into it. You know, the, the men, the sons of these men are going to be allowed to marry into the Israelite compound also. And now we're getting an amalgamation of DNA from all of the surrounding nations. Joseph married an Egyptian woman, Simeon married a Canaanite woman, Manasseh married an Aramean woman, Judah had several sons with a Canaanite woman, and then he thought he was picking up a Canaanite prostitute along the way, and well, when men do that, it's a recipe for their DNA getting into another people group, but it turned out to be his daughter-in-law Tamar. There was a mixed multitude of people that left with the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. Who were those people? It looks like some of them at least survived until the invasion of Canaan. Could they be the remnants of the Hyksos population that once dominated Egypt, but then were conquered by the Egyptians at the end of the Second Intermediate Period? Possibly. Could they be Egyptians? Possibly. Could they be people who were half Israelite and half other people? Yeah. But the, the mixed multitude were not 
actually told who they are. So it could either be people that were partly Jewish and partly not, or it could be people from a lot of other different countries coming with the Israelites as they left Egypt. One of David's relatives, we don't know how he's connected, but he didn't have any sons, so he let his Egyptian servant marry one of his daughters. And the Bible lists like 10 or 11 generations of descendants of that man. That's an Egyptian Y chromosome in the Israelite population for something like 300 or more years. Wow, yeah, genes are bleeding into Israel as well as out of Israel. In the end, they're just gonna be a mixture of all the people amongst whom they're living because it keeps on going. Bathsheba, she married Uriah the Hittite. There was a man named Obed-Edom, the Gittite. That means someone from Gath. Gath is a Philistine city that Goliath was from. Gath is a city that David fled to when he was fleeing from Saul. But the Bible says that 600 men of Gath came up with David when he left. These Gittite men were living in Israel. In fact, one of them, when David is fleeing from Absalom, he, he comes across one of these men, and this man gives a tremendous testimony to faith in the Israelite God. Very interesting little exchange between David and this man. But going back a little bit, Obed-Edom the Gittite, they put the Ark of the Covenant in his house when the Philistines set the Ark of the Covenant back. And God blessed that man's house richly while it was there. What are these Philistine men doing, not only living amongst the Israelites, but living amongst the Israelites to the point where the Israelites would leave the Ark of the Covenant in one of their homes? And what happens to men like that over many generations living in the Israelite population. Their genes are going to become one with the Israelites. Slowly, possibly, but it's just a matter of time before it happens. One of David's wives was Maaka, daughter of the king of Geshur. Yeah, that's not an Israelite. I conclude that the Israelites were not following the racial segregation laws that God imposed in the Torah. They just weren't. In fact, the very interesting and very sad case of Absalom's sister Tamar, who was raped by her half-brother, and, well, at this point, not only is she disgraced, but she's already a half-foreigner. So her status in Israel is already a little bit iffy, and now she's got all this disgrace. Absalom takes her in. Nice brother. But that's a very interesting little anecdote there, that her mother was a foreigner, and that influences the passage of the story. And then you had Solomon, who had many, 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 many wives and concubines. In fact, one of them was a daughter of Pharaoh. Another uh, Judahite in the Bible is listed as marrying a daughter of Pharaoh, a different daughter of much earlier, hundreds of years earlier. We have so many different examples of Israelites marrying non-Israelites. In fact, I'm skipping over a lot. You might think this is a lot of data. It's actually not compared to what's given in the Bible. Solomon hired a man who is half Phoenician and half Israelite to craft all the bronze in the temple. So the sea, the bulls, the pillars. That man was named Hiram. Interesting, because I live in the town of Hiram. I wonder. Think of Queen Esther. She married a foreign king. And then when the Israelites came back into Israel after that dispersion from the Babylonians, a lot of them had married foreign wives and some of them weren't willing to give up their wives. So again, Israelite genes bleeding outwards into the non-Israelite population. But in the second century BC, the Edomites were forcibly converted to Judaism. Edom, 
they're not Jewish, but they're forcibly converted. And then we have the very complex family history of the Herods, who I believe came from that. Very interesting dynamics here. You know, who's a Jew? Who's not a Jew? How much of a Jewishness are you willing to accept? Are you Jewish if you're a practicing Jew or a genetic Jew? Well, apparently not genetic Jew from all the examples that we just gave. So in the end, the Jewish people are a melange of themselves and their neighbors. There's no specific Jewish DNA. There's no specific bloodline that would mark someone as a Jew or not a Jew. Because anything that was in that Israelite population is going to be found all over the Middle East and now around the world. Those genes, those Y chromosomes, those mitochondrial lineages should be found in other places. And they are. Now what does this tell us about race and racism and, and what makes a Jewish person Jewish? Well, come back in my next episode. I'm going to be talking about the genetics of modern Jewish people. And I'm going to be trying to trace that back in time to the genetics of ancient Jewish people. But already you should anticipate no specific Jewish bloodline or genetic line because of the hotbed of interracial dating in early Israel. You know, Paul talked about a middle wall of separation that had been broken down between the Jew and the Gentile. That was not a genetic wall. That was a religious and cultural wall. Their genes should be found all over, and non-Jewish genes should be found all throughout Judaism. If you would like to support Biblical Genetics, go to patreon.com, type in Biblical Genetics, I'll come right up. But I have three different levels of support. Uh, Dave H., Jeff V. D., Matthew and Rob S. are in my top level. Mark K, Mike from Australia, Daniel P, James R are my middle level. Jonathan P, Paul P, and Ted H are my lower level. Ken and Connie supersede everyone, and I must give them a giant thank you. Some of these people have been with me since the beginning, and I really appreciate their support, month after month after month. There's another website that I use to generate support. It's called buymeacoffee.com. You can go there, look in the show notes for links, or just go there and search for biblical genetics. And again, it's easy to find. And this is really for just one off. Here's a couple dollars, Mr. Carter. Thank you very much for your great video. Uh, but this month, Brandon B, Louis P, George B, Stephanie S a couple of times, Delane H, Adina, Amanda M, and a couple of anonymous people. Thank you so much. You are keeping the lights on here at Biblical Genetics. So that was Carter's Guide to Early Israelite Dating Practices. I hope you appreciated that. I love pulling up biblical anecdotes like that. I love stringing together just little historical facts and telling a story. And there's a very, very interesting story of a fascinating people with a rich culture and a deep history. Dive into your Bibles. There's a lot more to learn.